Hello and welcome to The Property Files. I'm your host, Aoife Horsley. I'm a buyer and vendor advocate and the director of Ravici Property Group. The Property Files podcast has been created to assist those who are wanting to learn and understand more about the great Australian dream of property ownership. So join us as we assist you to navigate through the often confusing intricacies that can come with this dream. This podcast is your one-stop shop for all things property. In this podcast, we will be speaking in general terms about the property market. This podcast is based on opinion only and should not be taken as replacement for financial advice, accounting advice, or legal advice. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. I'm so excited to introduce today's guest, Scott Devro from High Rise Strata, who we have had on the podcast before. He is our owner's corporation guru. Following our last podcast regarding 101 to Strata, we received a multitude of questions from people who live and own in owners corporations or Strata complexes, and their questions pertained mostly to living in an OC and what that means for them. So we have decided to invite a listener who lives in an owners corporation to be part of this conversation. So without further ado, welcome Scott from High Rise Strata and welcome Aiden. Pleasure to be back, Eva. Pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks, guys. So first, I'm going to direct the conversation to you, Aiden. So Aiden, thanks so much for joining the conversation. So you own and live in an OC. Can you tell us about your experience and why you felt compelled to come onto the podcast? Thank you. Uh, great question. So I recently bought, towards the end of last year, uh, and it does, it does OC, of course. Um, so it's an apartment uh, in St Kilda. Now... I didn't know much about OC. I know there's fees and, you know, I'm happy to pay them and whatnot. And I've, I've had mates and friends who've also bought and it's like, yeah, there's a payment you have to make every quarter. And I just didn't know what was involved. Mm. Um, so I'm fairly new to this, really. To give you a backstory, I paid my fees and then all of a sudden I got this letter in the mail uh, and it was a bill, it was an invoice and it said special levy, roof work, something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, what's this for? My roof's not leaking. Uh, it. it you know, it can't be me. Anyway, so I found out speaking to me neighbours that one of their roofs was leaking. And I'm just like, well, that's got nothing to do with me at all. The apartment's at the back, I'm at the front. Like, what's I going to do? You know, what's this got to do with the price of fish? So finding out now that mm. apparently the roof is common property. Yeah. Ridiculous. I, <laughs> so I need someone to sit down and explain to me why I'm paying this special levy for a roof that has nothing to do with me. Okay. Over to you, Scott. Well, I'll begin by saying it sounds like you should have listened to our first podcast. Yeah. That would have- <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I, no, I, to be honest, I wanted to come on because I did listen to the first podcast, but I need, I need questions. No, 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 no. You're, you're, not, you're not alone. I think I'll, I'll, I'll put everyone, all mm. the listeners at ease, if you share the same sentiment and uh, unsure about that letter in the mail, that special levy for those roof works that, you know, your roof isn't leaking, you're not alone. It's a complex construct, owners' corporations, and there's intertwining obligations between each owner and how they link in with the common property. Now, you asked a few questions there. I'll try to answer them in sequence. But you're right. I mean, if you are part of an owners' corporation, you are obligated to contribute to the operation of that owners' corporation. Mm-hmm. That means raising funds. That means paying levies. Now, I can say from an owners' corporation manager, they're not raised in issues 
issued offhand. Mm. They're based on the requirements of the building. Putting to one side special levies for a moment, your basic admin levies are derived from the operating expenses for the building. So that may be common area cleaning, that may be paying me as your manager, your insurance for the building, common electricity fire protection, whatever it might be. So the levies you pay as a collective, that figure is based on the operating expenses for the building. No more, no less. On that, is that what I hear? It's budgeted for the year. Am, am I wrong in saying that? No, that's not wrong. No, you're right. It's budgeted for, for the year. Mm. So um, without getting too beyond the scope of this this podcast or this session, each year there's what's called an annual general meeting. Mm-hmm. At that meeting of all owners, a budget is uh, resolved and approved. That budget lays out the expenditure for the year and is the basis for which the levies are derived from. Mm. And that budget will cover all the operating expenses. So, yes, the the levies are based on the budget or, put another way, the anticipated expenses yeah. for the OC raises funds from owners to contribute to that fund. Yeah, okay. so the, the question then or I guess the point in – the key point I think from my understanding of what you're saying, Scott, too, is when you mention anticipated expenses, a budget obviously is set – prior to the financial year beginning for the owner's corporation. So a manager in their capacity as, you know, planning the finances for the forthcoming year would say, well, this is what we anticipate. Considering what happened last year, you know, this is what we anticipate to happen moving forward in terms of gardening expenses. This is what we anticipate in terms of ad hoc plumbing expenses. Mm -hmm. What that budget can't do is it can't anticipate works that were unforeseen so in your example Aiden about the roof works potentially that was something that the owners corporation was not aware of so it couldn't have been included in the annual budget prior to that financial year starting is that right that's pretty well spot on I think the key point there is anticipated expenses Mm. like you said it's to the best I mean it's part art punt science right You, you do look back at historical years what was the expenditure? You make an allowance for CPI increase, cost mm. of materials, cost of labour, increase it accordingly. But it is for the anticipated regular operating expenses for the building. Now, a leaking roof, in your example, is not anticipated, doesn't fall within the approved budget, and therefore, more often than not, a special levy or additional funds are required mm. to um, defray the cost of those works. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. on that. I think you mentioned, Aoife, that, you know, they will anticipate, say, plumbing works. Mm. But how do you forecast plumbing works for a year when you know, nothing's actually happened yet? Well, I mean, and this might be better over to Scott, but from mm. my understanding, it would be you'd be looking at previous years. So, Like if, a whole water system blowing up correct, some pipes. But if that was common, right? So the owner's corporation will look at different things and in terms of anticipated expenses – There may be that once a year we do a Mm. roof or a gutter clean and that's common property. So that's a plumbing expense, say. And that's anticipated and that we know that that's going to occur every six months or every 12 months or whatever the frequency might be. So you can anticipate some plumbing works or, you know, you might get your storm waters cleared Mm -hmm. out every year or something like that. There may be something that's done that falls under the realm of, of plumbing works that is recurring or there's on a frequency that the owner's corporation is aware of. Or moreover, you know, in addition to that, the the age of the building can take an effect as well. So if we know we've got a property that's 80 years old, Mm. potentially those original pipes that were laid 
when that property was built 80 years ago. We know the age of properties over time and the age of pipes and whatever materials they were using you know, the, the further we get into the age of that property, the more common it will be that there will need to be remedial works and rectification works to those original pipes. So there can be some plumbing expenses. If we're using this example of plumbing and roofing, there can be some expenses that the owner's corporation can kind of incorporate into their annual budget and understand that as time goes by, they may be continually there or we may need to be doing them regularly in order to upkeep the property to the best that it can be. So that would be based on, I guess, age of, say, the pipes. Knowing that Potentially. Like, a pipe only lasts X amount of years, then you're coming up to that year, you'd be like, well, look, these pipes probably need replacing this year. We're going to put this into the, the costs or the fees. Into the, the annual mm. budget. Yeah, and Scott, Here's then in. my question mm. on top of that. Let's just say we get to X year and the, oh, the, the pipes are going to burst, whatever yeah. it may happen. Yeah. But it doesn't, mm. right? So the surplus money that we paid, what happens to those fees? I'll, I will jump in here. Jump. I'll qualify what Aoife said, and it is it is spot on. You know, when I referred to part art, part science, the reoccurring scheduled expenses is probably the science part of it. Mm. The art of it is understanding, like you, you suggested, knowing the age of the building, the requirements of the building, the anticipated cost that you can't schedule for, mm. but you need to account for. That's the art of it. So within that plumbing line, you've got the regular preventative service maintenance, and then an allowance for those unforeseen uh, repairs that you may need mm. to do. A good OC manager and a competent committee will hope for the best plan for the worst. Yeah. I, I don't think you could put it in more simple terms. And levies aren't necessarily a bad thing. You know, if you buy into a property and it's under levied, that is more dangerous and more yeah. disruptive to your own personal financial situation than an overly cautious OC. Because at least with the levies, you can with your own personal finances, allow for it and budget for it. If it's under-budgeted for, in other words, they're not raising enough levies to cover what should be anticipated operating expenses, you are more subject to one-off special, special levies. levies or whatever it might be. You asked a question though, what happens to the surplus funds that aren't spent in that year? It's a great question and you know we often get asked, we didn't spend that for the year, do we get a refund? Well, unfortunately, the answer to that is often no. However, it's important to keep in mind, for as long as you are an owner in a building, the assets that that OC maintains, mm. you have a proportionate share in those assets. So you still have claim on those surplus funds. Surplus funds are important to roll over, though, because it builds a baseline or a safety net for financial support should the OC need it in the event of an unforeseen expense. And, like a, and like can, a leaking roof. Like a leaking exactly. roof. Exactly. Yeah. I still yeah. pay the special level. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Now, if, if your OC, and I don't know the detail, and this is not a, a, you know, a pre-planned um, sitting, but for argument's sake, if your OC had accumulated those, those surpluses over a number of years had built up those accumulated funds, they may not have needed that special levy because the funds were there available. And yeah. come back to what I said, under budgeting is more often than not more disruptive than over budgeting. Because like in your case, those surplus funds weren't there. And because they weren't there, a special levy was required that I'm sure you hadn't budgeted for in your personal finances. I uh, know uh, that ruined my month. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on that, Let's just say, so I live in an apartment building with eight with eight other owners. Mm. Look, is there somewhere we can make an agreement where if we, we're under budget, or we haven't fulfilled that budget, can we use the extra funds for things like a party? <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've moved away from oh, roofing no, no. work. I'll come back. 
I want to live in your apartment vlog. That, that's all I need to say. <laughs> Short answer, yes. You know, fundamentally, yeah. even though, you know, I may sit as the OC manager, it's not my money, it's not my property, that pool of accumulated funds is still, like I said, you know, as an owner, you have your share worth of claim to that. Mm. Owners can decide what they want to do. And, and yes, there are OCs out there, owners, corporations, or strata, that will use some, or they'll even have a budget allowance for Christmas party or an owner's or party or, or events yeah. or something like that. So, you know, in, in you know your collective wisdom, if you thought that there was sufficient funds there that you could splash out on a nice dinner, then, you know, why not? Your group, it's a community, you know, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get onto this at a later session, but, you know, owners' corporations are a community and, and they, they, they fulfill that differently. But, you know, some, in my experience, that perform well collectively are those that treat it with a sense of community and part of that is socializing and you know getting to know each other so yeah absolutely to answer your question directly if you have enough money there you can have a party have a party (laughs) so on that because look this is really new to me like like i sort of mentioned i only bought into a into an oc last year or an oc managed property I guess I have no visibility on where this money is going. Mm. I know you're getting Because you're not Scott. part of the committee. I'm not part mm. of the yeah. committee. But I guess if you were part of the committee, is it the P&L reports, is that all given? Is that all public public knowledge to, to everyone or all the owners? No, it is. It is. As an owner, you have full rights to all the records pertaining to your to your property and the, and the owner's corporation. You would like to think, as professional operators that sit in my seat, you perform your role with the diligence, ethical standards that one would expect. Um, and you should expect that from your OC mm. manager. And part of our role is to, where required, educate and keep the committee on that same ethical compass point, if you will, to make sure that owners' funds who aren't actively involved are not squandered or spent you know, without consideration. And that is where, where we come into it. Mm. Uh, but if you did want the full records, they are always... If you asked an OC manager and they didn't want to provide it, that's a red flag, cause for concern, you know. But but at any point, you should be able to ask your OC manager, can I please have a copy of all the financial records, the bank statements, P&L, whatever it might be. Yeah. Invoices, if if you want, and they should be able to provide it to and, you. And to your point, Aiden, then about your roof work example, in that instance, if you've just been sent a levy, a special levy, and and whatever the amount is, say everyone has to pay a thousand dollars or whatever it might be, you I can give you the amount if you want. That's like six hundred bucks. <laughs> I did not budget for in the month of <laughs> April or May. Whatever but you should be able to, upon reception of that special levy, as an owner, regardless of whether you're on the committee or if you're just an owner, you can then go back to the manager and say, "Well, I need you to qualify mm. this special levy. I need to see the quotes that you've obtained." And and you know, I would expect and jump in, Scott. Again, mm. I would expect that at least two, three, yep. if not three, had been obtained, so we can ensure. That that you're tendering or the, the, the OC is tendering and making sure that they're price checking and price matching. And, you know, quotes often can come in and I've seen them that they're not like for like. The, the OC might have gone out and gotten five quotes mm-hmm. and they're actually very different. But a good manager should be able to explain the, the differences and why there may be mm-hmm. some, you know, discrepancies. And it's not about necessarily going for the cheapest quote. It's about actually understanding the, the issue that's occurred and therefore that's activated a special levy. But what are we looking at? Are we just going to pay $200 each now and it's a Band-Aid fix and we're looking at this again in 12 months? Or are we doing something a little bit more extensive and you would hope that a good manager 
had gone and done that research and understood mm-hmm. the the issue globally, um, not just to save money and to save owners from having to pay extensive special levies, mm-hmm. but to make sure that we're not having this conversation again in 12 or 24 months. Is mm-hmm. that... Yeah, yeah, there's a few points there. You have to remember that as an owner, you pay me, you know, I, I serve at your leisure, you know... I am here for you as an owner, whether you're on the committee or otherwise. Um, so, so at any point, you come to your manager and you have every right to to ask for that information. The more, if you listen, and the more I'm on this um this particular podcast, you you hear me use an expression that I'm used to govern how I operate as a manager, and that is instilling confidence and mm. earning trust in my owners' corporation members. If you have trust and confidence in your manager, then when you get that special levy, you may not be happy about the 600 bucks dropping in April after you've just had an extravagant Easter. But if you trust your manager, know that they're going to do the right thing for you, and you have confidence in their ability to execute the right thing for you, you will accept that with a bit of grudge, but you will accept that charge without potentially the need to ask questions because you have that trust and confidence. Yeah. Well, I guess that, that was the thing. I bought, I bought in December, I moved in January, and like, you know, I had no introduction to who my OC manager was. Yeah. I think that's fairly important. I mean, well, like you said, you want to build trust and make sure yep. they're doing the right thing by you. And I'm sure they are. But, you know, when you just cop a, uh, you know, it's like copying a fine in the mail. It's like, why? And, and, and you're within your right to, to test that trust and confidence by asking, you know, if you are new to a building, even if you're not new to a building, but you have reason to question, as every owner's right um, has that right to do, to question it, and that's exactly how I look to build that trust and confidence. But but to your point, Aoife, earlier around what's involved with quoting, not always going with the cheapest quote. Mm. That's spot on. You know, it's not a. This is your asset. This is yeah. you know often your 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 primary asset, if not your only major asset. And if you're living there, if you're an owner occupier, it's also your home. You know, if you, and I think this is part of them. Um, the adjustment or the calibration with some strata owners, if it was their standalone home, if yeah. they weren't part of OC, would you cheap out and go for the cheapest quote every time? Probably not um, in, in a lot of instances. Yeah. No, you, you definitely would, won't. Yeah. But the thing is, like, so I got copped there, I guess, the levy in the mail. But it just, it felt to me, it was a little bit reactive in terms of, like, I've done, we've done the work, here's what you need to pay. Whereas I guess if you own the home, you own your own home. It was a single standing home. Yeah, you'd get the three quotes and you'd be a part of it. So yeah. does that does that ever fit into the process? So someone's roof is busted, whatever it may be. Do you go to all the owners and say, "Look, this is situation. What do you want to do? Do you, you want need, to get quotes? You or? need to join the committee, Aiden. I think yeah. is what Scott's Mate, gonna say. That's the other thing. <laughs> I, I moved in. I actually don't know. What or how to do this? Yeah. How do I yeah. get yeah. involved? Yeah, and it is you know if you if you haven't been part of an OC before, <clears throat> you 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 don't know what you don't know. No, exactly. And, and because of that, you don't know the questions to ask, what your rights are, how to be involved. But absolutely, being involved if you're wanting to and have a, a an opportunity to have a say in the decisions, absolutely be part of the committee. But if you are new, it's hard. It's hard. But raise an interesting point around the how it's delivered, what due diligence is demonstrated mm. by the OC manager and the committee. Communication is key. You know, it's a throwaway line. It's cliche, but even if you're an existing owner and you don't have the time or the inclination to be on the committee, it doesn't mean that you should not be privy to the key facts. Yeah. 
Now that falls on the OC manager to communicate. So it's not just an invoice for $600. There should be covering information. This is the process yeah. or the background. This is the problem. This is the process we went through. And this is why we need the money. Now I'm yeah. sure if you receive that, you read it and you process it and you go, right. Again, like that $600 fee or invoice, but I understand why we need it. They've demonstrated the due diligence that's gone into it. So, you know, they've got the best price for the right reasons. Now I understand why I need to pay it. Yeah. You know, you know what would be good? If like an OC, they send you out like a, maybe monthly is a bit too much. Maybe a, a, Like a newsletter. A newsletter. This is what we're doing. And, like and, this and is, some this is, buildings. This is the gardener. Think, look, at, at the end of the day, in an ideal world, that's how owners' corporations should run, right? It's that, that all owners are being communicated with, that the committee are being delegated certain powers as they should be because it doesn't work. As we touched on in our previous podcast, Scott, you know, we use the federal election or the federal government example in that you, you delegate somebody who represents a certain portion of the community uh, under whichever party that they do. If we sent a vote out on every little decision that was made in a, at a federal state you know, at a federal level for decision-making to every single Australian citizen, nothing would ever get done mm, because mm, we would never get there. So the committee format or the model of the committee makes sense. But you're right. If everything's functioning, then yes, all owners should be communicated to. And I think as to Scott's point about what a good manager should be doing versus what potentially not a not so good, but potentially a little mm. bit more inept mm. manager or is just being doing. proactive. And, and that's it. It's about being proactive as opposed to being reactive. Yep. And, and going back again to your roof leak example, it shouldn't be that the roof is literally leaking and there mm. is an extensive problem for the owner's corporation to then be reactive to that. Mm. If we're talking about a building that's a little bit older, and we use the 80-year-old example earlier, a good owner's corporation manager should know you know, before that leak is apparent. And and this isn't 100% of the time because there are some things that can never, ever, ever be planned for and there's, you know, things that happen that no one knows is going to happen. I mean, if we all had a crystal ball, we'd all be very, very rich. But the issue is here that if you're proactive in your kind of approach to owners' corporation management and trying to ensure that what's happening in the management of that owner's corporation over the course of their financial year, then you shouldn't be able to just be, you know, the owners shouldn't be feeling like they're receiving these surprise special levies of exorbitant amounts without any sort of pre-knowledge of what was going on. Mm -hmm. You know what would be nice? Yeah, go. Tell us. You, you buy an apartment, right? You get a letter in the mail and then the OC manager's like, the letter is from the OC saying, hey, congratulations. On your new apartment. Here are my details. Feel free to call me for an introduction. And then you can set out whatever disclosures or whatever you need to do. Just be nice for a little human touch. Scott, if you want to take that away and bring it up to uh, your boss. Yes. I'm already taking notes here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you hear that scribbling, that's yeah, my, uh, my notepad. <laughs> that's Scott. He's like, what else do we need to do? But I think, look, and I think that, that you're, you're right. Aiden, I think that, that there is a lot that needs to be done from an owner's corporation management perspective. And I think as well to break a little bit of that, 
you know, there's a stigma attached to it in that OCs generally or bodies corporate, whatever the terminology you want to use to kind of name these things is strata came in, strata title plans came in to essentially fill a void in terms of, uh, you know, what people, affordability and lifestyle and those sorts of things that people can still have, live in the location they want to live. They can't afford those freestanding homes or they actually want the security and the community around mm-hmm. them. They want to be in close proximity to other people. Whatever reason it is that people buy into OCs, it is, you're right, in that the manager does have a duty of care almost to those owners to make sure that something that is a little bit unknown or that people are a little bit unsure of that they're kind of handheld through at least those first initial kind of year to two years, whatever it might be, until you kind of understand how it goes and how it works. And there are some management companies out there that do send that letter of introduction, that do introduce themselves. And it's a little bit easier in smaller OCs when you're only dealing with, you know, six or eight or 10 or 12 people, as opposed to, I think, some of the ones that you work with, Scott, which are 100 lot plus. Mm -hmm. But you're right, it needs to be that it is relationship management at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, and that's what makes a good manager. Yeah, and there's an element of humility in there as well. And and I I lose sleep, inverted commas, but if I have to issue a special levy, and it's not just for a leaking roof, but for, you know, cladding remediation works that may be you know totaling two million mm. across a number of owners and it may cost each owner ten thousand or fifteen or twenty thousand these are people you know yeah. and i empathize with that but it comes back to that communication and education piece yeah. as to where it's going to and making sure that's done in a timely enough way that it's not as much of a shock as it would be if you didn't lay the groundwork and and you know inch owners towards what needs to be done. So I think education is key to it. You know, fundamentally, Absolutely. no one wants to pay levies or any more than they have to. But if you understand where your levies are going, yeah, you know, we often get accused that we collect all the levies. That us, the, the, the big the evil. Manager. Oh, you that know. was my next question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if we have time for all your questions. Yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> you, you brought me up. <laughs> you know, but, but, but that understanding that it's not all going to the big bad OC manager, yeah. that they are still your funds funding the upkeep, maintenance and operation of your asset for your well-being. You know, it's a it's a cyclical, well, it's a loop really. And as long as it's managed effectively and planned for, it should result in a well-maintained, protected asset, which is fundamentally what we all want. What we all want, yeah. For the benefit of all the owners. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it sort of makes sense because I would imagine without OCs, uh, let's just say I've only got eight different properties on in my apartment building. Let's just say something went wrong, there was no OC manager, that would be a better term. It would be a shit show. Yeah. It would be pretty mm. bad. Yeah. Here's a question for you. I probably missed only last podcast if you did bring it up. I did listen to the whole thing. It was amazing. But how long have OCs been around? Like in, in if you would know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. So the Owners Corporation Act, so pre-2006, Owners Corporations in Victoria were known as Bodies Corporate. So Body Corporates you probably would have heard of and, and people still use that terminology. So I believe it was around the Plan of Subdivision Act came in, what, 1988? That's correct. Yeah. Thank you. Look at this. Well done, Aoife. Okay. Well done. <laughs> 1988. So anything before that. And and you do, as, as we're talking about that 80-year-old example, so you do have examples of buildings prior to 1988 that are now owners' corporations or strata titled. But that's because post 1988 when the subdivisions act came into place 
that those buildings would have been something different before. Mm. So they would have had a different title. And this is getting a little bit high level. Yeah. But really, 1988, we had body corporates in Victoria. And then in 2006, we had a reform. So they're no longer known as body corporates. They're now known as owners' corporations. And it's evolving. And I'm sure we can have a separate session on the detail around the changes yeah. in legislation, um, the rights of owners and OCs alike. It may not be perfect. And it's always evolving. The legislation governing owners' corporations mm. and, and, and whatnot. But a, an owner today in an OC... Setup, which was formerly Body Corporate, which is formerly Strata, which is formerly Stratum, mm. the list goes on. You are far better protected today than you would have been 10, 20, 30, 30 years 50 ago. years ago, yeah. 80 years ago. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. But who is the regulatory body? In Victoria, it's Consumer Affairs Victoria. So we're governed or well, owners. I'll be having chats with them. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> look, to be honest, in, in, in owners' corporation management, I can talk to this because I have done it in a previous life, is that complaints or issues or anything that you know or you think or you feel as an owner who lives in, you know, either lives or owns within an owner's corporation or a strata titled plan of subdivision. Consumer affairs are the ones that you go to for complaints. Um, There is a formal complaint form that you can fill out. That's a consumer affairs prescribed form. And there is then a process that's to be followed after that. So consumer affairs are who you need to go to, but in the first instance, always to your manager or always to Mm. your committee. Yeah. Yep. And then to the ombudsman. There's, consumer affairs are the ombudsman. <laughs> Come to me first. You know? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> if we go to the ombudsman, then please, you know, go to your OC manager first. <laughs> yeah, try and deal with it at a lower level first, Aiden. Look, I think that's probably all we have time for today, guys. And and thank you so much for for coming on, Scott, and for coming on, Aiden. May I have one last question? One I know last. We'll never get on here again. One last I've been trying for weeks. The roof. So, like I said, there's eight people or eight yeah. owners in, in the apartment building. Our apartment building, the main building, um, it the, there was no leaks on that roof. These these apartments are in the back of the lot, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, I've got nothing to do with them. I actually didn't even know they were part of the building or part of the apartment building. So, why am I paying for that roof to be fixed? If, if it's it comes down to private versus common. Now, if it is a common roof or laneway piece of the building infrastructure, even though you may not live under it, if it is common, you are a part owner of that roof or that common common property. Um, and as such, you, you contribute to the upkeep, maintenance, repair of the common property. Um, mm. That that's about as sim- plainly as I can put it. Been wrapped up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you got any, any little more last minute questions, Aiden? I think I come back. On? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, thanks both of you, honestly, for for your time no, thank tonight, you. and thanks for Aiden coming on. I think it's a really important part of this podcast is that we are providing education to people who are looking to purchase property, whether that be you know a standalone property or into strata or into owners corporations as well. That we're here to assist you in those queries and to kind of guide you along the way to make sure that that purchase and that asset that you've obtained is going to serve you in whatever way that you want it to for the you know for the medium to long term so thanks so much for coming and again scott thanks for being here you're very welcome thanks guys thank you so much for listening to another episode of the property files i'm your host Aoife horsley so if you'd like more information on me or ravici property group or what i do or today's guest please refer to our show notes. 
I'm really looking forward to having you listen in on the next episode.